The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. That's right, Bear Down, Bears fans. It's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you. And listen to the soothing sounds of that music. That is right, the Chicago Bears victorious in week one. Not exactly the way anyone would draw would draw it up, but they beat the Detroit Lions to move to 1-0. A critical win, even though it's just one week into the season, because the Chicago Bears schedule sets up for wins early. So they need to make sure they take advantage of it. We're going to break it all down. We're going to do a guest-free podcast. Wanted to get one to you this week, even though the guests didn't quite work out. We'll have plenty of guests throughout the season, as you know, as you guys know, I will always get you those guests whenever we can get them in. So excited, excited to talk to you about the Chicago Bears here because, look, it was ugly at times. It was concerning at times. But the bottom line is the Chicago Bears locked down a victory. So let's talk about the game here. Let's look at the defensive side of the ball first, because I think I'm going to say something that a lot of people have not said. And to me, that defensive performance, while there were positives on the defensive side of the ball, that defensive performance was unacceptable. That's right. That's what I said. That defensive performance was unacceptable by the Chicago Bears because there are things that this team needed to do on the defensive side of the ball and they are still not doing it. And look, here's what I'm going to say about this team. If this team is going to have a successful season, the defense needs to carry it. Now, I'm obviously not saying anything that's, you know, earth shattering with that, but how this defense performed against Detroit, this team cannot win consistently with that level of a performance. You cannot give out the amount of yards. You cannot let your team get buried as they did. The fourth quarter, put the fourth quarter aside. We're gonna gonna get to the fourth quarter. But this defense did not get it done. 23 points is honestly, it's not terrible, but it's too much to give up to this Detroit Lions football team. I get Matthew Stafford's very good, but they didn't have a lot of key players, including Kenny Galladay. You cannot, cannot allow 
what happened there on the defensive side of the ball. What was the biggest problem with the defense last year? They didn't consistently get to the quarterback, and they didn't consistently get to the quarterback again. I understand they had a few QB hits. I understand they did get a sack, but that's not enough. You need this front seven to raise hell against the opposing quarterbacks. They didn't do it. I get it that Robert Quinn wasn't there, and there's not a lot of depth at edge. So I understand the issues there. But the bottom line is, this Chuck Pagano defense has not been getting to the quarterback. Vic Fangio's defense did, and that's what made that team so magical because when you're getting to the quarterback, you're going to cause turnovers, you're going to make big plays on defense. They are not doing it right now. When Robert Quinn gets back, hopefully that changes, and hopefully we see that defense. If this team is going to get to 10-11 wins and make the playoffs and potentially do something, this defense needs to be dynamic. It has not been dynamic under Chuck Pagano. It's been good. It's been, you know, very good. But it hasn't been elite. It hasn't been, you know, that 2018 defense was one of those defenses that you'd put it up. I'm not saying necessarily it'd be better, but you'd put that defense and what it was doing up against all-time elite defenses, especially in the last 20 years with the offensive explosion, you know, post-Ravens. Post that defense, this has been one of the best defenses we've seen. I'm not saying it's better than the Legion of Boom or, or any of those defenses, the Broncos defense from a few years ago, but it's there. It's in that category, but it hasn't been in a while now. We're talking about a year plus now, now that we're in 2020. This defense needs to play better to get this team where it needs to be. Some of the things when you break down this defense, Jalen Johnson, gotta be pleased. Gotta be pleased with the rookie's debut there. He looked very good at times, not perfect, but you cannot ask Jalen Johnson to have a better performance as a rookie debuting, especially a rookie debuting with no preseason, limited practice. There was a lot against him. I did not think he was gonna be starting week one. I thought maybe he wouldn't be able to start till week three, four, or five. Once he got more reps, he proved me wrong out there week one and did a heck, heck of a job. One thing I'll say about this defense, Eddie Goldman sorely missed. Now, when I bring up Eddie Goldman on Twitter, I get a lot of grief. There's some people who love Eddie Goldman. I get a lot of grief about how he's overpaid. He's not worth the money. I've heard all this kind of stuff about Eddie Goldman. Did you notice how wide some of those gaps were in the middle of the defense? Eddie Goldman is such a great anchor. And I know some people out there are going, oh, John Jenkins will fill in fill in fine for Eddie Goldman. He didn't, all right? He got controlled at the line of scrimmage a lot, and Eddie Goldman's presence was missed. I know he's not a phenomenal pass rusher. He's more, you know, but he's a run stuffer. He's a load in the middle there. He forces offensive linemen to double him up on run plays, and you just, you just were missing that presence. I thought it was a major problem for this Bears run defense. That is something they're gonna have to improve upon because Eddie Goldman's not coming back this year. So whether that be Bilal Nichols, whether that be John Jenkins, they need better run-stopping performances out of that defensive line. Out of the linebackers, Danny Trevathan, let's not panic after week one, but that was a bad performance from Danny Trevathan, all right? He needs to be better. The Chicago Bears had an opportunity. They could have kept Kukowski and let Trevathan walk. They went Trevathan because they're trying to win now, so they went with the what they thought was the better player right now and the more experienced player, but they could have gone younger with Kwiatkowski. Maybe they would have lost a little bit in terms of talent, but they could have had a younger player on. And I'll tell you what, if this Danny Trevathan that we saw in week one is Danny Trevathan, 
they should have kept Kwiatkowski because Kwiatkowski is going to catapult by him this year. So that's that's something to watch as well, the performance of Danny Trevathan, because he was he was a step slow. He didn't shed blocks well. I mean, if you watch the tape and watch Danny Trevathan play, you will not be pleased with what you see. Those, those are two main issues because when Trevathan doesn't play well and Eddie Goldman is missing, that leaves the middle of that defense really vulnerable against the run. So that needs to be improved there. But overall, the defense, look, it was, again, it was fine. And that's what I keep saying about this defense under Chuck Pagano. It's fine. And I think at some point, when you see this much talent on the defensive side of the ball, you have to start wondering a little bit about Chuck Pagano and the plays he's calling up. Because I just haven't seen it now for 17 games. I'm not sitting here ready to yell to fire Chuck Pagano. I'm not saying he's a disaster. But I think... To be fair, we can see how this defense has performed for 17 games and admit that the Chicago Bears miss Vic Fangio. On the offensive side of the ball, let's get to some of the things we saw on the offensive side of the ball. Let's start with the offensive line. I know Bears fans love to crush this unit, and they crush this unit all the time. But this offensive line may have had the best overall performance in the NFL in week one. Let that sink in. If you look at advanced analytics, they had the best run blocking performance. Forget pass blocking. Last year, they were okay pass blocking and bad, really bad run blocking. This year, week one, and I understand it's a small sample size, best run blocking in the NFL. One uh, analytic I saw ESPN Advanced Stats had expected yards per carry. What they basically do is, is I, I don't know exactly how they crunch the numbers, but at the point of handoff, how many yards does the computer expect the running back to get if he just does the play you know, the appropriate way? And the Bears led the league. I think it was 5.6 yards per carry, expected yards per carry. The Bears ended up with 5.3, so they were almost there. If you want to say that, was, that means it's a lesser performance from the running backs, I don't care. They did take advantage for the most part. This offensive line looked very good. They looked cohesive. The scheme, oh, thank you, Juan Castillo. That scheme was so much better. It was straightforward. It was blockable. And the team executed it. I was thrilled with the offensive line's performance, and I thought they kept Trubisky upright. There were plenty of times Mitch Trubisky sat back there and looked for his second and third options. He was comfortable enough in the pocket with the time he was getting to try and look for other options besides his first read, which is something we know Mitch has had problems with. So have to be really pleased with what you saw out of the offensive line. The tight end position, look, Demetrius Harris, Mitch Trubisky missed him on, on a key play. That, that could have been, now again, didn't, didn't hurt the Bears obviously, but Demetrius Harris was missed there. Cole Komet, you know, again, I know a lot of people like Cole Komet, and maybe he's going to be a great player for this team. Still too early to tell on that. You should not expect a lot out of rookie tight ends. Cole Komet will build throughout the year here, but what we saw out of Cole Komet in week one honestly is expected. I know Jimmy Graham mistimed a couple, a couple jumps. Wasn't perfect out there, but he did make some plays. I think you have to be overall pleased with the tight end production. I'm not saying it was great, but compared to where it was last year, much better performance. With the offensive line going well, the running game went well. You saw a good performance out of David Montgomery, even though we weren't even sure if he was going to play. Corderell Patterson back there, Tariq Cohen had a beautiful run right up the gut that was perfectly blocked. You had to like what you saw out of the out of the running game because 
2019, we know how bad the running game was. 2018, the running game was better, but it was helped out a lot by Mitch Trubisky running the football himself. He didn't really do that in week one. It was mostly just straight up run blocking, straight up run plays. The play action worked well and they executed and that was critical. Wide receivers, Allen Robinson's gonna do his thing. Anthony Miller, what can you say about the kid? This is a dynamic player. I don't know if he's ever gonna be a wide receiver one, but he's a dynamic player that can make excellent, excellent plays, stretch a defense, and of course, beautiful catch. And for those of you who think I'm a Trubisky hater, beautiful throw from Mitch Trubisky on the game winner to Anthony Miller. Have to be pleased with what you saw there. Now, let's get to Matt Nagy before we get to the quarterback position. I know a lot of Bears fans get on Matt Nagy. I think Matt Nagy called an excellent game yesterday, or Sunday. An excellent game Sunday. Matt Nagy mixed packages well. We saw 12 personnel. We saw 13 personnel. We saw a lot of different looks in the backfield. He, you know, he ex he ran it when he needed to, passed when he needed to. There was a solid mix, a good balance of run pass. I think it was 28 runs, 36 passes. It was the kind of game plan you need to see out of Matt Nagy. I thought it was interesting. Trubisky went more under center, a little bit more of a commitment to the run that way. I, I thought that was an interesting thing that, that Nagy did, went away from the shotgun, something we know he likes. And people will keep saying, oh, Nagy doesn't, you know, change his mind. Nagy doesn't change different things. Again, maybe a little slow to do it, but we saw Matt Nagy change a little bit of the offensive scheme to fit a little bit more into what this offense needs to be with the quarterbacks that they have. Doesn't matter if it's Trubisky or Foles, the quarterbacks that they have. So let's take that and let's take a look at our guy, Mitch Trubisky. Now, Trubisky, you have to give him all the credit in the world for that fourth quarter performance. He was dynamic. He was throwing balls on the money. He was making the right decisions. That play, if you want to say it the full fourth quarter or about 10 minutes of the fourth quarter, that play is the number two pick in the draft. The problem is what we saw outside of that quarter, I saw a lot on Twitter, he was okay and then he was great. Mitch Trubisky was bad and then he was great. And that's, again, that's a problem. Mitch Trubisky won the football game with that fourth quarter performance. Mitch Trubisky also buried the Bears into how far they were behind because of his performance. So you gotta take the good and the bad. You have to look at both sides of this thing with this quarterback. He was making better decisions, I thought. He had time and he was looking around at second and third options, something you don't see him do enough but at the same time, he was horribly inaccurate with way too many passes. There were bad throws, interceptable balls because they were so off target. And he was fortunate that he didn't have more problems in the turnover category. The fumble, where can I start with the fumble? That play shouldn't happen in high school football. That play shouldn't happen in freshman high school football. Quarterback running backwards, fumbling the ball like that, Charles Leno bailed him out, or that could have been a disaster for the Chicago Bears. You cannot play like that with your fourth year in the NFL, third year in the system. You cannot be making those decisions. My jaw dropped open when he did that. I was I was laughing at that point, going, oh, like, where are we with this quarterback? And then, of course, you know, the fourth quarter, he turns it around. 
I am not going to get overexcited about this performance yet for Trubisky because the bottom line is that this team, the Detroit Lions, Matt Patricia, we've talked about it on this podcast before, plays a lot of man, does not hide coverages. This is the type of defense that Mitch Trubisky can traditionally torch because there's not a lot of confusing defensive fronts for him. What you see is what you get. Read, react, throw. That helps Trubisky a ton, which is why we have seen him torch the Lions for three or four consecutive years now. He continually plays well against the Detroit Lions, more so than any other team. How Matt Patricia doesn't seem to change anything and continues to let Trubisky torch him, no one will ever know. That's something you'll have to ask Matt Patricia, but when someone finally did, he says, oh, well, I called the play that caused the interception for Russell Wilson in the Super Bowl, so I know what I'm doing. Well, Matt, that was a long time ago. Maybe you want to look at what you've done in Detroit, and all you do in Detroit is blow leads. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Matt Patricia is the worst coach in the NFL, and until he's fired, the Detroit Lions do not need to be taken seriously. Doesn't matter how much talent the Lions may get on the field. It does not matter. He will screw it up. He is a terrible, terrible head coach. And of all the Bill Belichick disciples that have gotten jobs in the NFL, and all of them for the most part have failed, Matt Patricia is at the top of the list as far as I'm concerned. He is an awful, awful head coach. So you've got an awful head coach. You've got a team that is traditionally torched by a quarterback. And the Bears were buried by this team in the third quarter and needed a miracle comeback. You cannot get too excited about how this team played despite the fourth quarter because this cannot happen regularly. The, the Chicago Bears with Mitch Trubisky at the quarterback cannot bury themselves on a regular basis and pull wins out of their behinds in the fourth quarter. It's not gonna happen consistently. That's is it gonna be exactly how you end up gonna be seven and nine because you're not gonna be able to come back with this offense. This is a team that needs their defense to keep the score low, the offense to take advantage of its opportunities and not turn the football over. That's how this team is, is set up to win. And what happened in week one was not good enough. I am going to hold off on my judgment of Mitch Trubisky because like I said, I thought the decision-making was better. The fourth quarter was phenomenal, but there were still poor decisions and there were still several inaccurate balls. And Matt Nagy alluded to that post-game press conference when he talked about, look, you have to look at the whole game. You can't just look at the good. You can't even just look at the bad. You got to look at the whole picture. And the whole picture was some footwork problems. Trubisky's thrown off his back foot a lot. That's going to get him in trouble. He still had some issues with, with decision-making. Not as many. It did improve, but he still had issues with decision-making. And of course, on the other side, you have a guy who just let it rip in the fourth quarter and was impressive as could be leading this team back in that fourth quarter. You shrug your shoulders with this guy right now because there's so much inconsistencies. But the problem is we can't keep sitting here as fans hoping for Mitch Trubisky to turn into something he's not. And again, I've already given up on the hope that Mitch Trubisky is going to be a great quarterback. Maybe some fans have not, but I don't see it happening. I am only hoping that maybe he can just be decent and you know for this year for this team to to win some games but the problem with that and forget this season for a second if he's decent that may be the worst case scenario for the chicago bears because if he's decent that means they're going to keep him around you're going to keep a decent quarterback 
for 20 plus million a year. I don't know how many years you're gonna have to give him. I don't think the market's gonna be very hot for Mitch Trubisky, but you're gonna have to pay him 20 plus million a year. You've already got money committed to Nick Foles and you're not gonna be drafting a rookie quarterback then. You're gonna be stuck with the idea that Mitch Trubisky, this, who knows? If he's decent this year, that could be his career year. If he's decent this year, maybe he is finally ascending into becoming a good quarterback. You don't know what you have, and that's the problem. You need Mitch Trubisky to show his true colors this year, whether that means he's very good or bad. The, the signs point to him being a bad quarterback. I don't not pretending to think anything otherwise. I'm trying to be objective here looking at this game. I'm trying not to just bag on Trubisky for the bad throws. I'm not trying to just say, hey, the Bears won in a comeback. Who cares how it happened? A win's a win. Let's look at this thing full body here because Ryan Pace went in on this season. The way he structured the cap, the way he structured these contracts, the way he went in going for older players, he went in on this season. The Bears are trying to win 10, 11, 12 games and make the playoffs. There's no rebuild going on. What you see is what you get on this field, on this roster. The Bears need to perform and they cannot do this on a regular basis. I think the Lions are a bad football team. Home, home field advantage on the road doesn't really matter too much in the pandemic. There's no crowd. Bad football team, they had to have a miracle comeback to win. And a team that they traditionally torch, uh, that, that 10 torches at the quarterback position. I'm not overly excited about this win. I get it. It was a great fourth quarter. You shook your head. You couldn't believe what you were watching. I'm not going to rain on the parade and say the Bears stink. I don't know what the Bears are. But they have to play better for four quarters if they are going to put together a season that is going to be something that gets them to the playoffs. The performance they had in week one was not good enough. Now, there were a lot of bad performances across the NFL. There was no preseason. There was limited practice. This entire, there were basically no OTAs except other than Zoom calls. This entire off season in training camp was just screwed up from the start because of this pandemic. You want to give everyone a chance and say, look, it's going to take a couple, three weeks for everyone to get in a rhythm? Okay, I'll buy that. I'm not sitting here panicking either. The Bears are 1-0. They've got a winnable game coming up in week two against the Giants. And that's all that matters is, is the standings. To go forward and want to get the Bears to 10, 11, 12 wins, this team has to play better for four quarters each week. It did not happen this past week. Now, looking at the game against the Giants, look, winnable game. Bears don't need to travel. Giants, they are not a good football team. They're just not. I don't trust uh, Joe Judge. I think the way he handled things in the in training camp was was pretty stupid. Saquon Barkley was just is just going to be a waste of a talent on this team because they should never, when they did not have a quarterback on the roster, they should never have gone for a running back at that slot. It just didn't make any sense. Daniel Jones, are you a believer? A lot of pe Some people are, some people aren't. He's definitely middle of the road for me. I'm really not sure what to expect out of Daniel Jones in his career at this point. He's okay. This New York Giants football team, they have a lot of problems all over the place. I think the Chicago Bears have a very winnable football game. I think this defense has a lot of problems, especially in the secondary. I don't trust it. And therefore, I think Mitch Trubisky can have another good game this week coming up against the Giants. If he doesn't, I will be really disappointed. I have expectations for Mitch Trubisky. Yes, that's right. Me, the Trubisky hater, as you all like to call me. I have expectations for Mitch Trubisky to have another good football game. 
But if he doesn't, again, that's a problem because this New York Giants team is going to be in the running for Trevor Lawrence if they want. I understand they had just took Daniel Jones, but they're going to be in the running for Trevor Lawrence. I think the Giants are that bad of a football team. They're a bottom five team in the league. The Detroit Lions are a bottom 10 team in the league. That's why it's important for the Chicago Bears to get out to a 2-0 start. I think they will against the Giants. I think Drubisky is going to play well. I think the offense is going to look pretty good again. And I think the defense is probably going to look about the same as they did against Detroit. Maybe a little better, but we'll see, we'll see where we get here. If I'm the Bears in this game, let's continue to try and run the football and let's try and limit Saquon Barkley because that's a guy who can go off for 250 all-purpose yards and three touchdowns and just dominate a football game. Contain Saquon Barkley, force Daniel Jones to throw it 40 times, and see what happens. They control the clock. If they run the football, good balance of run and pass like they had this past week against the, the Lions. Trubisky plays pretty well again. I'd like to see some consistency out of Trubisky. I'd much rather have four solid quarters than what we had last week. Yes, even with the comeback. I'd give me four solid quarters of Trubisky. Not flashy, just solid. I'd rather see that against the Giants, and, and we'll see about that. Now, before we wrap up this podcast, just want to get into this Allen Robinson situation. I think, as someone who has supported Ryan Pace a lot through these, uh, these five years with Ryan Pace, I think that... He has completely mishandled this Allen Robinson situation. I think he should have been a high, high priority to get re-signed early. I think they were trying to re-sign him early. And I think when Amari Cooper got the money he got, Allen Robinson's price tag went way up. I think the Bears probably thought they could get Allen Robinson somewhere around 17, 18 million a year. Amari Cooper gets 20 and that jumps it up a lot. I think the Bears had a lot of questions about the salary cap because of the pandemic and what that was gonna do for revenue sharing for the 2021 season. They were a little tentative. And now what are we seeing? We're seeing a lot of other wide receivers get big contracts and all that's happening is Allen Robinson's value just keeps going up just by him existing. So now we're at a situation where all these wide receivers and all these players got paid the last couple weeks, Allen Robinson did not. The Chicago Bears, it seems, based on everything that was said this past week, are still pushing a below market value contract to Allen Robinson, and he wants none of it. Does that mean this is that he's going to walk at the end of the year? No. This is a negotiation. Robinson's pissed. If he gets the money eventually, it'll be all smiles at the press conference. But is Allen Robinson going to get a deal done during this season? I don't think so at this point. It's not something the Bears traditionally do. I think they miss their window. I think Allen Robinson's going to put his money where his mouth is, and I think he's going to have another good season, and the Bears are going to have to franchise tag him in the offseason and then try and work out a deal from there. Not getting this deal done in February or early March has put the Bears in a situation, in a situation where they do not have a lot of money. They have a lot of backloaded contracts. They have, you know, a salary cap that's potentially going down in 2021. The Bears have a cap situation. They need to keep Allen Robinson. You can't have Anthony Miller and Dar Darnell Mooney being your top guys. As good as Mooney looked, and you sit there and go, wow, fifth round pick, week one, a lot of positives there. And maybe Mooney turns out to be a star, but you can't rely on Miller and Mooney as your top two dogs in 2021. You have to have Allen Robinson helping out these quarterbacks. It's not like the Bears have Aaron Rodgers. You have Aaron Rodgers and you want to have uh, Mooney and you want to have Miller and let Aaron Rodgers have pinpoint passes, you'll be okay. But in this situation with Trubisky or Foles or a rookie quarterback, if that ends up happening, you got to have a dog out there in Allen Robinson. 
Ryan Pace didn't get this deal done early, and now he's got a mess on his hands. Yes, Allen Robinson and, and being angry and getting the team to tweet out positive things and to extend AR with the hashtag and him pulling everything off social media with that's related to the Bears. It's all part of a, a, a negotiating strategy. It does not mean anything at this point, but it does mean that they're going to have to pony up if they want to keep him. You want to play the franchise tag game and roll with him one more season on the franchise tag? I think Allen Robinson will sign the franchise tag. I don't think he's holding out for anything. He understands he's already got a major injury. He can't sit there and walk away and do a Le'Veon Bell and sit out a season. Now, the franchise tag's going to save him a couple million as to what he would get paid in terms of a, a yearly average. But, you know, again, you start playing the franchise tag game with players that decreases every season, that decreases the chance that you're going to keep him long term. You don't see a lot of guys play under a franchise tag and then sign a long term contract afterwards. You'll see a guy get franchise tagged and get a long term deal before so the team knows that they can't lose him for that season. But it's very difficult to start playing the franchise tag game and keep a player around. And the Bears know that. And the Bears know they should have gotten this contract done. And they didn't. Let's hope things get done with Robinson. But for now, Focus has got to be on the field. Giants coming up. Bears should go to 2-0. They're a pretty heavy favorite. If they don't, that's a major problem, and we'll talk about it next week. Until then, bear down, everybody. Everybody.